Hello and welcome to this Herbert Smith Three Hills podcast. Today we are delighted to be joined by Sarah Boyce of the Association of Corporate Treasurers. One of the themes that came out of our 2023 corporate debt report was Treasurers' concern around inflation and the interest rate environment. And with our thoughts now turning to the 2024 report and the conversations that we've had with our clients over the last few months, we thought it would be interesting to revisit these issues in conversation with Sarah. So today, alongside Sarah, we've got Chelsea Fish from our US practice, Oliver Henderson from the finance team focusing on general corporate debt and acquisition finance, and Nick Rutter from the derivatives team in London. So hopefully a good variety of perspectives. Sarah, perhaps I could start with you. What changes have you seen in corporate's approach to debt finance in light of the current economic environment? First of all, thank you very much indeed for inviting me along today. Very kind of you. I think that what we're seeing is, and it's going to be an answer that I'll quite a lot through this conversation, I suspect, is it depends a little. So for the very largest corporates, it's very much business as usual. They're managing to access debt perfectly normally. They're refinancing in good order. There is you know, it's business very much as usual. Um, what we're seeing, though, is that in certain sectors and in the smaller end of the market, there is definitely a bit more of a squeeze on liquidity, I guess you could say. And the banks are certainly being more selective who they lend to, how long they lend to, um, and the terms of, of those borrowings. I think that, as far as I think, it very much depends on, on the nature of the business involved. Um, there, there are two sort of, sort of related points here, aren't there? So one is that sort of increased cost of, of debt, which is um, would affect some with, with higher borrowing costs to start with, and then that's then a higher incremental change. Um, and then sort of banks are obviously wary about increasing their exposure to those kind of businesses and whether they can service that increased debt. And then the other is around sort of financial covenant pressures, particularly those that have interest cover covenants. Their, their headroom will have been eroded somewhat over the last 12 months and that imposes a, uh, an additional constraint on their, on their funding. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. Um, the point you make though about interest costs or increased costs, it's really much more around the increase in, the, in base rate. We, you may know differently, we're not seeing a lot of movement in margins as such. It's all in the underlying. C- completely agree. And, and and for that reason, we're seeing what banks are telling us that that's part of the reason why they're being more selective on who they lend to, because there's increased focus on absolute business. They're not able to generate the same returns through pure lending as such. They have to look elsewhere. And that in turn feeds into discussions around CASD credits adjustment spread because that's a albeit small or past the pricing mix. Um, and, and clearly, so if, if banks aren't able to pass on their increased costs, they have to focus on earning their returns elsewhere. And it's interesting what you should say, James, possibly slightly off topic, which I apologise, but you're all a bit used to me. Um, talking about ancillary business. One of the comments that we've been hearing is that as interest rates have increased, people with trapped cash out in the business have been focused much more on bringing it back into the centre and making it work much more effectively for them. They have had conversations with a number of banks that have said, well, actually, that's now impacting my ancillary business that I have with you, and so that there is a consequence to you moving that cash back into the centre. 
which obviously isn't something that was happening three or four years ago because bluntly nobody cared. <laughs> no, that's, that's interesting. That's sort of nothing that we've come across so, so much. Mm-hmm. I say we have seen some um, and increased ancillary focus from, from banks, but I haven't heard that um, story messaging from sort of cash coming into the centre is a bad news um, from a business perspective. Yeah. No, we, we thought that was quite an interesting, uh, yeah. no. Unwitting development. Absolutely. <laughs> Another unintended <laughs> consequence. Enjoy. So what are the other options? Ollie, perhaps you'd like to talk a little bit more about what you've been seeing. And Sarah, please do come in with your perspective. Sure, so we're seeing as well as um, managing day-to-day funding needs through revolving credit facilities and the like, um, because of the bank's increased pressure for ancillary business and potentially um, headroom pressures under financial covenants, corporates are looking at um, other ways of accessing funding which are off-balance sheets, things like receivables financing, if they can get the correct accounting treatments, um, supply chain financing, asset-based financing. This is a, almost a wider diversity of products that corporates are, are listing or are considering, um, even in respect of general funding needs. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. It's exactly what, what we're seeing as well. People are looking at alternate sources of finance. Um, some people are, are, are looking at hybrids, you know, they come and go every decade, I think. Uh, if you've been around long enough, you'll see them before, you'll see them again. Um, and the other thing that we're seeing a little bit more interest in is, and it ties into your whole supply chain finance point, is around the use of ECAs and people like UK export finance, um, where, where there's opportunity, people are much more willing to, to talk to people like that now and see if there's a sensible source of funds. Exactly, we've certainly seen a number of corporates uh, explore the UK financing option, uh, whereas previously they perhaps wouldn't have done just to obtain that slightly cheaper um, source of debt. Chelsea, how has this affected the USPP markets, do you think? So at least on this side of the pond with UK and European issuers, it's been reasonably resilient given um, you know, the investment grade credits in this market. However, what we have seen is a lot of issuers who are perhaps waiting it out until the interest rate environment stabilises. Other issuers might potentially be looking in a more opportunistic fashion by um, you know, taking advantage of issuing in yen due to the interest rate and exchange rate risk potentially, I mean, and to the extent that they actually have you know, local currency revenues to diffuse that, that currency risk. Um, additionally, we've also seen a greater focus on relationship-driven issuances. And I think that you see this both in the issuance of new money um, For example, we've seen issuers who are relying more heavily on investors in their existing PPs to anchor new transactions and also additionally to drive pricing considerations. Um, And in amendments in particular, they're always very relationship focused. But in a market like this, particularly where issuers are not looking at making amendments due to an event-driven issue such as M&A or the need to amend a covenant, so for example, trying to align you know, covenants or other um, with, you know, a refinance debt facility, then they would indeed have to rely very heavily on the relationships to get part of those over the line. And Nick, what about um, in terms of borrowers hedging strategies? Yeah, so I think it's probably fair to say there's a, a renewed focus on hedging. Uh, it's a slightly different world. Um, you know, over the last 10 years, I think people have been very accustomed to a low, a low interest rate environment. Um, and the fact that obviously, uh, 
there's a question as to whether we've reached the top of the rate cycle or whether people think there's still room room for increase. So, I mean, the numbers in our debt survey is sort of thing borne out in what we're seeing in, in practice, which is obviously the amount of people using these products is, or who are not using it is going down. But, you know, interesting saying, um, you know, the number of people thinking they're going to increase their use of uh, rate products in next year, only 22%, whether people think they sort of, maybe the market's topping out or, you know, maybe it was, I don't know if people feel it was too late. Uh, they've missed the top of the cycle. Um, that's probably fair to say in terms of products use, interest rate caps have fallen a little bit out of favour. Um, probably used to see a few more of those, but premiums have become more expensive and people don't want to bear the upfront costs. So swaps of the product has probably started being used a little bit more. Um, it, you know, it, interestingly, given the volatility and commodity and inflation prices, I think maybe we thought we'd see people using a little bit more of those, but I don't think that's been borne out um, other than if you've got a very sector specific, you know, reason to do so. So, you know, if you're a business with RPI linked cash flows and things like that, um, those sorts of people are using <coughs> inflation derivatives, but it doesn't look like there's been a general switch to try and use inflation derivatives or hedging products to manage that risk more generally um, across businesses. So, um, I think the, the really interesting thing is it coming out of the survey is the use of energy derivatives. Um, obviously, you know, some, something which um, people didn't, you know, historically have to use at all, but given the volatility, um, we're starting to see more and more people, and that's that's across, you know, that's across the sector, um, uh, across different markets. So it's an interesting space to watch. Chelsea, what you said earlier about relationship deals is interesting. So before we started recording, I was talking to Sarah and Ollie about the wider changes that they're seeing, and in particular, whether primary credit funds are becoming a wider feature in the corporate debt market. Would you like to talk a little bit more on that and what we're seeing there? Uh, sure, yeah. So uh, it's no surprise that um, uh, private debt funds are playing a greater role in the financing industry as a whole. I guess in general, they tend to have so far at least focused on the, the leveraged debt market. But as corporates um, are looking at more alternative ways to raise financing, particularly those corporates who are perhaps in crossover territories between some investment grades and, and the leveraged markets, the, there is some scope and, and we're seeing some encroachment from private credit funds into those more structures financings and I guess there's an open question as to whether the march of the credit funds will expand and, and they'll become more prominent players in the investment grade corporate debt market just given the, the size of, of that source of debt and their desire to to expand their market share. Yeah I think it's a really interesting market and a conversation we could probably have for hours just on its own. I think that the whole area of non-bank finance, whether it's credit fund or, or other non-traditional sources of finance, are absolutely going to play an increasing role across the market, investment grade, crossover. And I think at the moment there's a there's a lack of education understanding about what exactly those credit funds can do, what they offer, who they are. Um, and what we're observing over the last couple of years, I guess, um, increasingly so in the last 12 months, is that we have more and more of those funds or sureties or other sorts of alternate sources of finance being very interested in talking to investment grade credits in particular 
to understand how they can actually support those organisations. Yeah, I'm sure as, as, as the debt market evolves through this latest interest rate cycle and more corporate treasury teams develop alternative ideas about how best to address that, any potential um, expansion in the products that are commonly used will, will only help that conversation. Thank you all, and in particular Sarah, for such an interesting discussion. Do look out for the 2024 Corporate Debt Report, where I'm sure we'll revisit some of these themes with more detail.